Well, today we are going to continue our series called Refocus. Say Refocus. We are refocusing on our word for the year, which is the word increase. Our goal for this year is to increase in three areas. And these three areas are, we want to increase efficiency, effectiveness, and we want to increase our efforts. Now, last Sunday, we talked about increasing our efficiency. And today we're going to talk about increasing our effectiveness. And I want to start by giving you a definition of this word. It is the ability to produce a desired result. The ability to produce a desired result. Here's what I know. Activity does not equal effectiveness. Would you agree with me this morning? See, everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. In fact, if you ask the average person, how's it going? Or how are you doing today? Most of the time they will respond by saying, busy. How's it going? Oh, busy, man. Busy. But busy doing what? See, just being busy won't necessarily make us effective. See, to be, to be effective means that we are producing the results that need to be produced. Here, here's a good question for us to ask ourselves. Ask, ask yourself this question. What am I, is what I'm doing taking me to where I'm wanting to go? Good question. Ask yourself, is what I'm doing taking me to where I'm wanting to go? To go. And, and, and that is true in the church, it's true in your marriage, it's true in your finances, and the list goes on and on. See, see, I may want to go to Oklahoma, and I don't know why anybody would want to, but come on. I, I, I may want to go to Oklahoma, but if I drive south, I'm never going to get there, no matter how bad that I want to go to Oklahoma. No matter how many times I say I want to go to Oklahoma, if I leave the parking lot and I drive south, I will never get to Oklahoma. See, see, desire must be matched with direction. As a church, our staff is constantly asking the question, is what we're doing taking us to where we're wanting to go? We all know that our vision at the Grace Place is caring people, caring for people. The question that we must ask ourselves is this, and that is, does our methods match our mission? Is what we're doing taking us to where we are wanting to go? I want us to read some scripture this morning, and then I want us to dissect that scripture as that scripture relates to our subject today, which is how to increase effectiveness. The scripture for the day is found in in Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. The Bible says that now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, speaking of Jesus, Jesus went out and he departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. 
And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. I want to point out three specific things in this passage. The first thing I want us to notice in this passage is the preparation it will require. The preparation it will require. Verse 35 says that Jesus made prayer a priority. Jesus made prayer a priority. Long, long before the sun came up, Jesus was out of bed and on his knees. And while his disciples were sleeping, Jesus was praying. When I asked you the question this morning, who was more effective, the disciples or Jesus? See, we love to shoot at effective people and, 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 and we try to bring them down. And we do the same thing with effective churches and effective ministries. We, we shoot at them with our criticism. How they must be growing like they're growing because they must be compromising. Got to be compromising. How they must be using worldly methods. That's got to be it. And on and on and on we go. But I don't know this morning, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, they might be more effective because they spend more time in preparation. Here's what I've learned. We will only be as powerful in public as our prayers are in private. We will only be as powerful in public as our prayers are in private. Here's what we need to understand, and that is prayer prepares us. We view prayer wrong most of the time. We we think prayer is trying to get something from God. Let me tell you that prayer, prayer is to prepare us. Prayer prepares us. But hear me this morning. Once we have prayed, then we must plan. But here's the problem. Some people are ineffective because they don't pray. But some people are ineffective because they don't plan. See, see, it's not do I pray or do I plan. It's not either or, it's both. And we will only be as powerful in public as our prayers are in private. Here's something else I know, and that is the depth of our preparation will determine the height of our production. You know, people look at professional athletes and they think, man I, man, I wish I could be paid millions of dollars just to play a game. And I'll be the first to, to say that professional athletes are way overpaid. But that's not my point. My point is pro athletes aren't pro athletes just because they want to be. Or just because they wish they were. Because if that were true, most of us men would be pro athletes. No, they are pro athletes because, first of all, they have unusual talent. But not only do they have unusual talent, but they have taken that unusual talent and they have developed it. They have spent literally thousands of hours developing their talent and honing their skills. You see, the depth of our preparation will determine the height of our production. I'll never forget many years ago now, I was at a minister's meeting where I was supposed to preach. But not only was I supposed to preach, but there was going to be two messages that day. And there was a young man, a brand new rookie starter preacher that was going to preach. And then I was going to preach. 
It was years ago, but I'd still been in the ministry for many years. And I'll never forget as that young man got up and he took uh, the pulpit and he began to take his text and he began to try to preach and he just stuttered and he stammered and, 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 and he stuttered and he stammered and he, and he just had a really, really difficult time and, and finally he got frustrated and then he chewed everybody out there that day. And he told them the reason why he wasn't preaching good was because it was their fault. He said, I thought I would find a little inspiration here today. But there is absolutely not one ounce of inspiration in this room today. And then it was my turn. And when I got up, I said, you know, there was a time... When I relied on inspiration for my ministry. But I said, I wasn't in ministry very long that I discovered there were a lot of places that I would go that there was not a lot of inspiration in the room. And so this morning, I'm not going to depend upon inspiration. I'm going to depend on preparation. Let me give some kudos to my staff this morning. They, they have been diligent recently in the area of preparation. And we have a winning game plan in place for our future. And I'm excited to reveal that to you or to have it revealed to you as we go along. Well, let's look at the second thing in our scripture for today. And that is, I want us to see in this scripture the people who are drawn to us. The people who are drawn to us. We see this in verses 36 and 37. The Bible says that the disciples went looking for Jesus, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Who are the people who are drawn to us? Well, first of all, people who see something of value in us. People who see something of value in us. I don't know what that is that you have in your life, a value. Maybe it's your wisdom. Maybe it's your compassion. Maybe, maybe it's your generosity. Maybe it's your inclusiveness. It could be your kindness. It could be your confidence. But, but people are drawn to people when they see something of value in them. See, see, when you have something to offer, people will seek you out. Who are the people who are drawn to us? Well, secondly, people who view us as someone to emulate. Are you mentoring anyone? Are you... Do you have a mentor? Two questions you need to ask yourself. Do you have a mentor and are you mentoring anyone? Are you gleaning from somebody that is ahead of you? And also, are you pouring into someone who is coming up behind you? See, Jesus mentored 12 men. He called them disciples. And then after Jesus mentored these 12 disciples, he left the mission of reaching the entire world in the hands of those he mentored. If we're going to increase effectiveness, that will include leaving people and procedures in place that will continue to be effective even after we are gone. Somebody said it like this. They said, success produces a successor. 
Jesus said to his disciples, he said, even greater works than I do, you are going to do because I'm going back to the Father and the Father is going to send to you another, uh, another helper, which is the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the disciples who had seen Jesus open the eyes of the blind? They'd seen Jesus unstop the deaf ears. They'd seen Jesus raise the dead. And to hear their teacher say, greater works than I do, you're going to do. See, a successor should do more than their predecessor because the successor's starting point should be much farther down the road than their predecessor's was. See, all of us, and Seth, you said it already, all of us stand on the shoulders of those that came before us. I ask you this morning, what kind of shoulders are you offering those who are coming behind you? And I ask you this morning, how are you honoring and how are you building upon the shoulders that you yourself are standing on today? Our subject today is increasing our effectiveness both personally and as a corporate body. Let's look at the third and the final point that we see in our scripture for today. That is the place where we are most effective. The place where we are most effective. I want to point out something very, very interesting. At least it's interesting and intriguing to me. In verse 37, the disciples come to Jesus and they say to him, they say to him, Master, everybody's looking for you. Everybody. I wish people would tell that, say that to me. Everybody's looking for you. Jesus, everybody's looking for you, but how does Jesus respond? Verse 38, but he said to them, let's go into the next towns. Think about it. Jesus, everybody wants to know. Everybody's looking for you. Everybody's looking for you, Jesus. And he says, hey, let's go to the next town." that I may preach there also because, say because, for this purpose, say purpose, for this purpose, I, say I, have come forth. Jesus, everybody is looking for you. Jesus, Jesus, you're popular here. You're popular here. Jesus, you already have a crowd here. Jesus, your security is here. Sure sounds like a no-brainer to me, but not to Jesus. Not a no-brainer to Jesus. Man, if you had been a, you know, like most of us preachers, he would say, man, come on, let's find a building. And man, let's find a big one, man. Everybody's looking for me. Man, we've got, us a, we've got us a crowd. We've got us a group of people. Everybody likes what I have to say. Everything's going good, man. Come on, let's build something right here. But not, not it was a, a no brainer to the disciples, but not to Jesus. Why? Why? Because he knew what was in his heart. Why was it not a no-brainer to Jesus? Because he knew what his calling was. 
Why was it not a no-brainer to Jesus? Because he was secure in his call and in his mission. Not somebody else's call, not somebody else's mission, his own call and his own mission in his own skin. And what was his mission? Well, Jesus said that his mission, he said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, he wasn't called to settle down and build something. But he was called to travel from place to place and to preach to as many people as he possibly could in the short time in which he had. See, in order for us to be more effective, we must first discover our place. How many noticed that? Clay played the keyboard and I stood out there and worshiped. How many think that's a good idea? How many noticed that Clay and Crystal led worship and I stood out there and worshiped? How many think that's a good idea? I'm not going to include Crystal in this because I've heard her speak, but it might be a good idea that I'm standing up here this morning to speak. Thank you for that great round of applause. That was just so awesome. That just really built me up this morning. See, in order for us to be more effective, we must first discover our place. You need to discover your place. Because you'll only be effective if you discover your place. Only in our particular place can we be most effective. And so we need to understand this. God did not design us to fit everywhere. God did not design us to fit everywhere. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Let's read it there. It says, then he, speaking of Jesus, said that Jesus went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this, which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? And then they said, is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. In other words, a prophet receives honor, Jesus said, except... In his own country. Isn't that sad? The place where we ought to be loved and accepted and received the most is often the place that we are loved and accepted and received the least. Jesus said a prophet has honor everywhere except in his own country and among his own relatives and in his own house. And because of that, he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. See, no one pleases everyone. Do you please everybody? No one pleases everyone. Let me help you out a little bit this morning. Not even Jesus. Jesus 
couldn't please everybody. So who am I to think that I'm going to please everybody because even Jesus couldn't please everybody. And some places are more profitable to us than others. And sometimes because of jealousy, those closest to us are offended at our success. That's the way it was in the family of Jesus. That's the way it was with his relatives. And that's the way it was with his neighbors. So we should let go of some things. We should let go of some things. That's what Jesus did. He he didn't dig his heels in the ground and demand to be loved and respected and honored in his hometown. Hey, don't y'all know who I am? Don't you know what I have? No, no, he didn't dig his heels in the ground. He didn't demand love and respect and honor in his hometown. No, no. When the hometown bunch questioned him and when they rejected him, he just moved on. Hear me this morning, whether it is people or project or places, when it becomes apparent that we, that, that we or, or what we are doing is not a fit, we should just let go of some things. I can't tell you how many things that I've had to let go of in the last 47 years of ministry. See, methods come and methods go. And sometimes some things that used to fit no longer fit. I mean, you've got some things in your closet that don't fit anymore. You've got some things that are too little for you. You've got some things that are too big for you, don't you? You've got three sizes. Most of us do. Sometimes things that used to fit no longer do. They were good for a time. They were good for a season, but no longer. Here's the problem this morning. And the problem is we can't take, or God can't take us into our future if we're not willing to let go of our past. And hold on this morning. Listen, listen, listen. If we, if, if we constantly wave the banner that says, this is the way we've always done it. If that's the banner that we're waving, then we're also going to have to pick up another banner that says, so this is all we're ever going to get. Because the only way we're going to get anything different is if we are willing to do something different. So in light of this, we should let go of some things. See, God destined us to fit in a particular place. Paul and Peter were both powerful ministers. But Paul's primary call was to the Gentiles. Peter's primary call was to the Jew. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 through 9 tells us this. Hey, if you read the story of the fiery prophet named Elijah in the Old Testament, you're going to see that, that at least three times God told him to go to a specific place. God says, go there. Provision will be found There. Anywhere? Everywhere? No. Go there. Go there. If you want provision, if you want protection, if you want want even prosperity, you better find the there place. And the there place is different for you than it is for me and different for me than it is for you. Provision, Provision can be found there. God has a there place for all of 
us. God has destined us to fit in a particular place. See, see, everything about us, everything about us is by God's design for God's divine destiny for our lives. Now, I've been told that God designed me to be a bulldog. This past week, I was thinking about that. And so I asked Siri. I said, Siri, give me some characteristics of a bulldog. And Siri said, a bulldog is aggressive. A bulldog is aggressive. A bulldog is intelligent. A bulldog is loyal. A bulldog is quiet. Now, you may not see that on the platform, but there's definitely a quiet side of me. A bulldog is serious. A bulldog is social. Oh, I said social? I am social because of my place. I know how to be. I have no problem being social, but it's not my number one gifting, but I have no problem with it. And a bulldog is tough. I don't mind being a bulldog. If a bulldog is aggressive, intelligent, loyal, quiet, serious, social, and tough, hey, I don't mind being a bulldog. You see, I have needed these very exact and specific characteristics in order to fulfill God's specific call on my life. God didn't design us to fit everywhere. See, see, I don't do well managing. I do well leading. I don't do well dotting I's and crossing T's. But I thrive on a challenge. God didn't design us to fit everywhere. He destined us to fit in a particular place. So we should hold on to some things. In order to increase effectiveness, we, we will have to know what we should let go of and we will have to know what we will need to hold on to. Our staff is working diligently in developing ministry that, that was going to help us get the right people in the right places. And they have come up with a process that will help people discover their giftings. And once those giftings are discovered, they have a process in place to help develop those giftings. And once those giftings are developed, they will deploy them in the direction that will be most effective. 